0: Hello, listener. Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S E C U R I T Y Z E D.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the sensuous sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliseau.
0: And I'm Matt Snotty.
2: And I'm Robin Cabe.
0: Yay! Robin is back! (laughs) Robin is with us. It's good to see you, Robin.
2: Hi, it's good to see you, too.
1: She was reluctant to rejoin the show, um, and then I told her the topic, and she said, fuck yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. She's, uh, is she in, in going to be able to speak informed about this? Is she, I'm. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm curious whether I should say what we're talking about today, <laughs> I was, but, but I was going to say, is she a gamer girl?
2: I, I identify as a gamer girl, okay. but I will honestly say I don't game a lot. I haven't ever been like a hardcore gamer, but I have my favorites um, and oddly, I follow a bunch of Irish gamers that stream on Twitch and YouTube, and that's that's how I relate to gaming. And, and
1: oh, okay. she 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 regularly cleans my clock on age vampires. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah, well, good.
2: Yeah, in case any other, uh, Air Force Academy alumni want to go up against my military strategy. You
1: know, <laughs> it's not even her strategy. That's good. It's her tactics because oh. she is so patient on the clickety click. Bullshit. It just mm. its so annoying. I just <laughs> I don't I cannot I do not have the patience for it.
0: Yeah, um, those of us with formal military training are too much of warmongers. We need that uh, that hit of a dopamine too quickly. We, we we can't wait wait it out.
1: Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, but yes, today's to, this week's topic is gaming. And um, I'd like to talk about gaming in general, but also, again, the specific information security aspects of gaming. Um, Matt, as soon as I brought up the topic, you gave me, again, one of your patented walls of text um, with a bunch of uh, security related aspects. Uh, Go ahead. Why don't you lead with one.
0: Okay, Um, so um, as a father. Uh, my I've properly indoctrinated my children into the wonders of computer gaming, and they've uh, since they were little, they've they've loved it, and we started them out on PlayStations and consoles and stuff like that. They quickly graduated to, and my kids are old enough now; they're all in college. But uh, they were of the the Club Penguin generation, which was a thing. Um, it was an online game i don't think it's around anymore And then they moved on to like wizard 101 but the big one nowadays and i have a sorry sorry.
1: club club penguin is like an mmorpg but more of an experience like like have a hotel and crap like that right right
0: yeah you make a house and then you walk your penguin around and interact with other penguins and it was it was all it was a very safe environment for kids because uh you had a limited number of things you could say to people but you had like quests and all that kind of stuff um they loved it and um but the big one nowadays is Roblox. My kids are old enough. They, they played Roblox when it very first came out, but now they've long since aged out of it. But I have a nine-year-old who loves Roblox. And Roblox is an interesting one because... It's online. Um, it's it's much like a, a, a Fortnite or a, a Quake or a Doom. That, those are games that I can kind of identify with a little bit. But it's a 3D world. You can walk around. You can interact with people. And again, if, depending upon your age, you can either have uh, full interaction with people or you can have limited uh, preset phrases that you can say. But the other big thing is you have to have an account like all these games. You have to have some sort of an account that where you verify your age and, and stuff like that. But then you can use real-world money to buy virtual world currency and with that virtual world currency you can buy clothes and hairstyles and different faces and all sorts of crazy stuff i don't even want to get into all that stuff but that it's as a parent it's always been a huge security concern for me because i want my kid to be safe whenever they go out into this virtual world and interact with other real people that may not be actually kids or may not have the uh my daughter's best intentions at heart
1: is is roblox a child oriented program or you know, a game or is it
0: it's uh, uh, on its face it would it looks very much like a child oriented cuz it looks like legos essentially look okay. uh, the little okay. characters you walk around are, are they look like little lego characters um, but it has a huge following among uh, teenagers, young adults, and, and full-on adults but, uh, because it's a simple interface. Um, Roblox videos on YouTube, like Robin had mentioned, watching gamers on YouTube and stuff like that, Irish gamers. I don't know what's specifically about Irish people that you, you like.
2: <laughs> they just sound funnier.
0: Just... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I got I to gotta say, I am
1: not a big fan of the stream uh, viewing kind of thing i I kind of have the South Park perception of it where you know when when the younger brother is watching with all his friends and they're not playing the game they're just watching someone else play the game mm-hmm. I have the same kind of disconcerting feel but the two that she follows Jack Septiguy and
2: uh call me Kevin
1: call me Kevin they are fantastic and and, mm-hmm. and their voice is part of it and their character is part of it and and their games I would never play but the way they portray him is great
2: Okay. Um, that's cool. kind of why I get into it. Also, I just I don't have the time these days to fully immerse into a game and it truncates it down. So I guess I get that dopamine hit of uh, kind of creatively exploring and they have the same sense of humor that I do. So <laughs> I, I enjoy the way that they uh, subvert the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So. Um, yeah. so- yes. Uh, okay, so- uh, Streaming is huge.
2: So Roblox sounds kind of like
1: the exact opposite of a Fortnite, which is kind of designed for adult consumption, but has been co-opted by kids. It sounds like Roblox is the opposite where it was designed for kids and there's a, a. A significant segment of players who are adults, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and and in fact, adults can create. It, it, it reminds me a lot of the old Doom and Quake modding scene. You can create your own games uh, with all the, um, uh, the 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 trappings of, of of game levels and stuff like that. And so, yeah, adults do that all the time, and then they subsequently, you know, make it open. Other people get onto their games, play the games, stream the games, record and put them on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's a it's uh, ha- having seen it grown up. From my original, from, from my older kids when they were very young, and how it used to be then, and how it is now, it's it, it's it's such a different experience. <laughs> it's gotten so much bigger. It's it's huge. I mean, people are doing advertising. Like companies will do real world advertising in 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 game in the virtual games. You can go to places that are being advertised by you know Coca Cola, McDonald's, uh, you know other podcasts for instance, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a neat. Uh, interesting world, but it's also scary as a parent because there's no okay. guardrails.
1: See, now I got to ask other than your kids uh, running up your credit card bill buying new hairstyles <laughs> for their stupid little Roblox characters, uh, what's your concern? What is the fear? What's the threat? What's the risk?
0: So, always with the, you know, any, anytime you're online, there's always the the biggest number one concern is, is there going to be inappropriate content for the kids? Um, and in a, in a, in a, a virtual world where there are no guardrails, where there's nobody policing or, or, or uh, 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 kind of watching all this stuff. Yeah. Things like that can happen, especially if you have the option to do the, um, uh, the vocal, uh, microphone where you can actually hear other people talking and, and not just seeing text bubbles, uh, pop up on your screen. So there's always that concern, uh, the inappropriate content, but also, um. Uh, you know, yeah, like you said, the, 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 using the real world money uh, to buy virtual currency, there's always the the option. Thankfully, I don't have my credit card on file with this company because there are horror stories about kids buying <laughs> $10,000 worth of, you know, giant swords and, you know, houses and stuff like that. Uh, fortunately, that hasn't happened yet, but that is a, a security concern. But, um, you know, one of the other ones that's really interesting, particularly with the Roblox culture, is there's this whole hacker subscene, And. I don't know the the details of it because it's not hacking in the tradi- traditional sense where like your account gets compromised. There appears to be some way in game where if you have certain skills or, or certain admin tools or something like that, you can actually take over someone else's character. You can steal their money. You can do all this kind of stuff. And so Margo, my daughter, is always worried about, you know, if she has any kind of a glitch or any kind of a problem in the game, her instant reaction is, oh, no, I got hacked. To which my <laughs> answer is yeah i hope not (laughs) i don't know what's going on here so it's it's really concerning to me because i mostly because i don't understand it i don't even know if it's real but the kids think that it's real
1: well every time I'm losing an online multiplayer game. That's my excuse too. That, <laughs> I got hacked. That, yeah, the, the kid. No, that the kid who shot me with the super high power rifle. They've hacked their content, so their yeah. guns are better than mine. You right. know,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Which leads to a whole other thing because you're talking specifically about cheats, which is another subset yeah. Of, yeah. of security concerns. Because yeah, um, a, a whole bunch of security goes in on the server side for these game companies to prevent cheating from happening, and yet it's still happens because people are able to subvert and get around and and do things to their computers and um, get extra uh, uh, abilities that they wouldn't normally have.
1: All right so let me ask you though if the kid already has an internet account because they're playing an online game what content in game is going to be worse than everything else that exists on the Internet in terms of inappropriate <laughs> content for kids? What I'm saying is you've already opened that door. You know what I mean? Well,
0: yeah, kind of. But uh, And I don't want to get too into the weeds, but you can put in um, controls on the laptop and, and on the network to you know, keep her from being able to watch inappropriate content on you know YouTube, for example. She's got a kids only YouTube channel. Um, she doesn't have the ability to go to adult only websites on that laptop.
1: Do you use a net nanny or something like that?
0: Yeah, yeah, we've got something built into our firewall that that prevents um, that that type of activity. So, so we, we we can put in all that kind of stuff. But then, if you allow Roblox, for instance, or any other game, stuff that's inside the game is not filtered necessarily because those filters work for websites or for certain uh, applications, but not for what's going on inside the application. And in fact, you know, gamers, you know, and game companies realize this because they usually put that. Uh, uh, Disclaimer at the beginning of any game, game play may may change during, you know, during online interactions and stuff like that because, yeah, people do inappropriate stuff.
1: They actually say the rating does not apply because some of the games are rated, Mm -hmm. you know, for less than 17. But as soon as you go into uh, player manipulatable worlds, now that rating goes away because it's every adult making everything or or anyone can make anything they want. I'm familiar with Fallout 76. Where you can build your own village and I remember the guy building a giant tower of cock and balls. (laughs) It was was a glorious monument, uh, 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 but, uh, but, okay, so I can understand that. And, and, and I do like what you said is the game has made it uh, to where you can put a restriction on child interactions where. It's only menu-driven, and then the menu of responses is somewhat limited. But that still doesn't stop another player from drawing something on a wall if right. they have that ability. Yeah, yeah. And that way, the communication can go beyond just the kid-oriented stuff.
0: Right, right. And, in fact, there, there are uh, specific games within Roblox that are, for instance, horror-themed. So, you know, once you're inside Roblox, uh, you can go to another game, you know, there, of which there are thousands out there, um that might have something really scary like for instance you know the one that, the the one that i always think of with the kids these days is slender man that's a mm-hmm. you know urban legend type thing uh which wasn't around when we were kids it would have scared the bejesus out of me if it was but these kids they, that, that started as a creepypasta yeah, in uh, one yeah. of the chans didn't it yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and, yeah. and it's taken on a life of its own and it's become its own thing and so, yeah, uh, but but you know, it is tr- truly terrifying. in fact, there are real-world cases where people have died because of Slender Man. Not not that Slender Man came to life, but you know, other <laughs> kids basically, you know, duping you know uh, uh, their friends. They scared them
1: to death. Dun, dun, dun.
0: <laughs> Stuff like that. So anyway, so that is one type of security concern.
1: Okay. Uh, all right. But so again, I I gotta kind of ask. Mm-hmm. Somebody writes something terrible on the wall or somebody does a horror game. Are you truly concerned for your nine-year-old safety? You've raised several kids now and they've gone through this. Yeah. At some point, did you say, you know, it's images on a screen, it's bits and pixels. There's only so much harm it's actually going to do.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. So, um but, of course, you, as I'm sure that you're aware, you know, with with younger kids, they don't always see that that is what the distinction is, that something that's virtual isn't real. And it can lead to stuff like actual nightmares or actual anxiety or, or real world you know, physiological problems, which we have had to deal with on a couple of occasions with some of our kids. So there, there there's a little bit of that um, in terms of, of like actual security, like worrying about losing my money or having my credit card attack, uh, hacked or uh, having my password compromised, this is pretty low on that scale. But it's still a concern.
1: Okay. All right. Um, com- com- I, I have to say this, and I don't have kids, so it's unfair of me to make this this judgment. But I would say compared to the real world, I'd much rather have the kids staring at scary stuff and maybe having some nightmares on the computer as opposed to interacting with adults in the real world. <laughs> yeah. And and I say that, you know, I'm reminded of one of the horror writers, Peter Straub, uh, who grew up in the same hometown I did. And um, in some interview late in his career, he actually talked about an interaction with a flasher. uh, And and luckily, that was as far as it got uh, coming home from either the library or or the theater, um, an adult who accosted him as a child. And how greatly that influenced his his you know perception of the world, um, uh, and and how it influenced some of his horror writing actually. Um, so again, that's a real world interaction which I would be a lot more concerned with than somebody sitting and and you know saying nasty things on a screen.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, physical interaction in the real world definitely trumps anything virtual on yeah. the computer. So
2: well, the the thing about because I'm. I'm thinking about, like, when I was growing up, uh, there wasn't really much online gaming uh, that I was exposed to, like Yahoo games, but, um, <laughs> like, my parents would let me go to the mall by myself when I was, like, maybe 11 or 12, mm-hmm. and I think about the experiences that I might have had there. Fortunately, nothing really bad, but... Um, you've got like different pros and cons because there's also kind of built-in moderators if you drop your kid off at the movie theater there are adults there that are kind of keeping an eye on things making sure that you know the facility is running smoothly but um yeah so you can trust that there's a certain amount of good actors out there kind of moderating the content but you also can't control that random factor that is present in online gaming as well so
0: yeah 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 moderators can only do so much they can only see so much and they can only react to so much um and and i would imagine that the moderators in any in any online game are probably deluged with uh things being reported and you have to kind of triage okay which which of these are really bad and which of these aren't um and you kind of have to ignore it because there's just too many of them to to respond to necessarily but yeah
1: Yeah, and and you know from what little i know from playing the online games and i don't play kid oriented games but when you leave the speakers on and you allow randoms to join your team it quickly devolves into a cesspool of you know all sorts of <laughs> Slurs and, and <laughs> smack yeah. talk that is just, you know, completely useless to cooperative gameplay. And, and <laughs> I've gotten to the point where, I, you know, I don't even play my games with sound anymore. I, I just, I, they're all silent.
0: Yeah, just mute them all. Turn off your microphone. Yeah, I've I've had some very limited interaction. So yeah, moving on to like adult type games. Yeah, that's definitely something that's that that appears. Yeah, you'll hear every curse word, every racial slur, every <laughs> everything that you can be called in the book <laughs> over those voice channels on those uh, you know modern warfare's and stuff like that. Okay,
1: I just have to throw this anecdote in there because I know my father would enjoy and appreciate hearing this, and he's one of our three listeners. Um, last year there was a, a professional athlete i think a basketball player who got um uh, taken to task publicly for using um a uh, anti-semitic slur during gameplay mm-hmm. and and somebody you know called him out on it cuz his his you know online characters related to his known public persona and he was confused and he was he didn't realize that the slur that he was using was anti-Semitic. All he had known it was as a smack talk word. It had become oh. it was such an archaic usage. And I'm not even sure which one it was. I don't know if it was <laughs> I don't know if it was kike or heeb or something like that. But it's something that we don't use anymore to actually slur <laughs> people.
0: Oh that's he funny. just
1: thought it was a, a thing you say to players who suck, like noob or something <laughs> like that.
0: Right, right
1: so as soon as he was made aware that it was an archaic and obsolete slur he was very apologetic and and you know he seemed very contrite and a lot of people accused him of trying to dodge responsibility i truly believe him because there are so many slurs and and i've heard jews use archaic other slurs uh, against people in a generic fashion without Mm -hmm. realizing the impetus or the origin of those slurs so so I don't have I don't have an issue with that. I, I find that kind of funny
0: too, actually. <laughs> Plus, you know, it's all free speech, right? So if it's other consent, consenting adults, now taking the kids out of the picture, it's if it's all consenting adults, then yeah, you're you're allowed to have free speech online and Absolutely. say whatever you want to. Absolutely. But, now I think a lot of the game hosts though do
1: say that they will moderate for what they consider slurs. They they yeah. don't like that. And so if you if you have if you if you've ever tried to pick a username like Pussyface two one one or something like that, <laughs> the, I've the, never
0: tried to pick that username. But okay, <laughs> the
1: game the game will not let you. You uh, have to find right. a creative way to, to say the same thing right. and uh, use dollar uh,
0: signs instead of s's. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, all
1: right, all right. So, uh, so what was you, so you wanted to go on to another concern as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, moving on to like other games, though, particularly PC games. So. Uh, Console based games are kind of in their own little sandbox in, in essence. So, your Xboxes, your uh, PlayStations, your Nintendo Switches, they're their own little sandboxes. And it's impossible or, or, or very, very difficult to have any real security concerns with those devices. But PC gaming is big. PC gaming has always been you know, the, the standard by which all the consoles have been held to because you know, the graphics are so much better, the games are so much better. You've got a keyboard and a mouse versus a controller, so you've got so much more control and so much more precision in particular. So PCs um, are, as we know, as we've talked about, the, the whole thrust of this, uh, this podcast is PCs are, are security risks because they, they, they do so many other things. They're not single purpose devices like a console. They're general-purpose computing devices, so the same computer that you uh, get your email on, browse the web on, um, all that stuff, is the same PC that you game on. So along those lines, one of the things, especially having been a gamer in the '90s and the early 2000s myself, has always been okay. You had to install an antivirus piece of software. You had to install a firewall. You have to, you know, do all the all these standard security things. But all these things also get in the way Fuck of your gaming. Yeah. (laughs) You start losing pings. You start getting uh, latency or lag introduced or something like that. So what do you do? Oh, let's just turn all this stuff off. All the safety stuff, all the firewalls, all the antiviruses and stuff like that. Let's turn it all off. All of a sudden, I've got the ping time and the latency down to where I want it to and I can game so much better. That is still a thing to this day. (laughs) Unfortunately, things are getting better, but there's still there's still people who lower their security so they can get a few more frames out of uh, uh, Call of Duty or something.
1: I think that's great. And I think that's an aspect that we don't talk often enough about in the industry, the impetus and the motivation to lower your shields because you want to accomplish something. Yep. And it's the same aspect of why I I basically took antivirus off of my machines, because if every time I want to do a function, my antivirus pops up and said, are you sure you want to do this? I'm always going (laughs) to, if I'm always going to default to yes then why bother having the little nag tell me that every time? Right, um, right. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Do you think that the game manufacturers should constrain their design to a way that will complement and interact well with the antivirus and with the software firewalls and so forth?
0: Yeah, and I think that that's, that's the trend, uh, at, at least as I see it over the last five, ten years or so, because we're going a lot more to cloud-based gaming or at least cloud-based hosting. So, like, again, back into the 90s, uh, and, and I'm sorry for any of our younger listeners who have to hear me wax poetic about Doom and Quake <laughs> and stuff like that, because that was the bad old days of gaming, but it was really, really cool. But you had to uh, actually open up ports on your firewall to to be able to play with other players on those games. Do you remember the Doom port? The Doom what? The Doom port, the port for the Doom service? N- no. 666. What six, six. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> course, <laughs> because John Carmack has a sense of humor. <laughs> well, uh, so, um, And I can't tell you the last time I had to open up a port on my home firewall to allow a game to talk through it. It's been a very long time since I've had to do that. So they are getting better from that aspect of it. So if you have a, a firewall on your home network uh, between you and your, your Internet provider, you no longer have to do any of that type of stuff. It all uh, communicates through it quite seamlessly go back in the battle days you had to do stuff like that um and then regarding things like antiviruses and stuff like that i think they're becoming a lot more aware that both the antivirus companies and the gaming companies are becoming more aware of their interactions with each other and um Again, back in the bad old days, stuff like Norton or McAfee would just eat up RAM and CPU because it was always running in the background and it doesn't seem to do that as much anymore, just in, in general. But in particular, I think that when um, th- there's some sort of detection mode that when a game's running, they lower their their shields a little bit, but not don't turn them completely off. And so, again, I haven't seen that become an issue uh, recently with any of the games that I've been doing recently. Your mileage may vary. There may be other stories out there (laughs) of of, of horror stories of interactions.
1: I would also probably believe that mods to games, because they're unregulated and not coming from the developers, are also a great vector for malware too. Yes. Hey kids, yeah. download this super weapon. Oh, and by the way, here's a little package inside there. You know.
0: <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, the social engineering aspect of it is uh, it, that's never going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want the? I mean, wh- whether it's the latest Justin Bieber single or it's the latest uh, BFG nine thousand for your for your doom. Um, yeah. Now they are getting better about having official channel releases for stuff like that. So. You can go to an in an in-game store, for instance, to get those those officially released or sanctioned uh, upgrades, weapons, and map levels, and all that kind of stuff. But again, back in the bad old days, yeah, you had to go to a website, a, a sketchy website that had Comic Sans as the main font, and <laughs> and download a zip file that may or may not actually be what you you wanted it to be.
1: All right. So now you've been talking a lot about PC gaming. Wouldn't this be a uh an endorsement of the consoles because as limited as the consoles are that limitation constrains the ability to introduce dangerous content um it's necessarily a single box that's separate and distinct and 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 hopefully contained within even though it's on your home network
0: yeah yeah I think that that says a lot um on on the good side for the security of, of consoles now that being said of course that also doesn't eliminate the whole thing of you still need an online account to get onto a console. You know, even Nintendo, which is the most innocuous. Now I'm a Nintendo guy. We have a Nintendo house. All of my kids have Nintendo accounts, but still if you buy a brand new Switch or even like an older Wii or a Wii U, you had to have a Nintendo account to get into the the console itself. So so I, I'm sure I'm sure there's probably some way to play it as a guest or something like that, but you get none of the games, none of the you know you can't download patches and updates and of course stuff like that. But the the point being, the account becomes the point of failure, the or the or, or the security risk uh, with the with the consoles, because I know PlayStation and Xbox also require you to have accounts to be able to download content and you know get online and all that kind of stuff. So. so it, it- you know, no, go I, I, I was just going to bring up, you know, the security risk is, is moved off of attacking the hardware um, and moved on to the social engineering of attacking the account.
1: Agreed. And, and I think one of the other aspects that, that you wanted to discuss, something that you brought up, uh, was the separation of local play the divestment of local play and now it's all this hosted content and we and and it's not just gaming we've seen that same thing with office productivity software with uh, office 365 now all being you know a web app as opposed to being something that you get as a bunch of discs and install locally Um, and 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 that's a financial risk it you know it's hard to call that security but the game makers the content creators they're removing our ability to own a thing as legacy media. And now they're making us rent it in perpetuity.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Now, in, uh, on the good side of that, I will say, you know, again, having been a Nintendo player for, for a long time, when I bought a new switch and I signed in with my account, it immediately said, Oh, these are all the games you bought and and just check the boxes that you want to download to this new switch. So from a convenience aspect, it's great. But again, how much how much convenience are you willing to give up, or or how much security are you willing to give up for convenience?
1: Yeah, it is great. We're a PlayStation house, and and uh, there is that aspect where once you purchase something for your digital library, you can port it to any other PlayStation as long as that PlayStation is uh, backwards compatible with with the game that you bought. Um, But this brings me to the next aspect I want to talk about: PS Five, for instance, the the new generation PlayStation. Uh, do not, and I'm. Okay. and I'm not to get, going to. What's
0: that? I was going to say they're hard to get, aren't they? They are,
1: and and I can't tell if this was intentional by Sony or if Sony just had some supply chain issues or if Sony didn't realize the scale of the demand. I don't really know what the story is, but as you said, there's there's very limited supply, and it has kept the prices artificially high, and it has created an aftermarket for scalping uh, PlayStation's, mm. and. <laughs> I'm a guy who, when PS3 and PS4 both came out, I was first in line to get them. I was, I was an early acquirer. I'm going to wait five years for a fucking PS5. I, I see no need for it. I get plenty of gaming done with the with the consoles I currently have. I think they're overhyped right now. I don't really see it as the next step that everyone keeps talking about. But the thing that I found really especially interesting is they're selling digital-only versions of that platform for 100 bucks less. Than the console that comes with a drive, with a disc drive.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so so you for for a hundred bucks in savings, you don't have a hard drive. Oh, you, I,
1: I'm not sure if it's not a hard drive, it's no disc drive. So you can't like if I was oh, to buy. Oh, okay, it, okay. You know, like it's, if I have a disc for a game that can work in the PS5, I can put it in any PS5. What they're saying is no no disc drive. This thing's only to access your library. You can download it to local to play it. But you you can only like your account driven thing, like you were saying. I have gotcha. to log into yeah. my account. Yeah,
0: yeah. So so it doesn't have the ability to read physical media anymore. Correct. So if you go to your Correct. to your GameStop and buy the buy the game, you can't play it. Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And again, I think that's pushing us towards a rental society as opposed to an
0: ownership. <laughs> <society>. <laughs> right. Because uh, yeah, right now there, the, I think that the vast majority of the games on the consoles are. They, they, they follow the traditional model of you, you pay once and you have the game in perpetuity. But there's an awful lot of games, and I'm thinking mostly of like uh, iPhone and Android games that are subscription-based where, yeah, you pay by the week or by the month if you want to keep playing it, or pay to play, you know, you have to buy the, 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 the 500 gold coins to keep playing it or something like that. That's a distinction that's been been pretty pretty solid between the iPhone uh, smartphone gaming and the console gaming for for a long time but i wonder over the years going into the future how that's going to to mesh because there's a lot of money to be had had there
1: and and i think what the games have been doing the console games have been doing is okay you own the game but if you want online play like multiplayer or dlc or whatever Now you do have to do the subscription thing, and the way PlayStation does it, you have to be a member of PlayStation Plus, which is thirty bucks for three months, and it's not dedicated to a specific game, but all of the game distributors have a license with PlayStation where they have a revenue share for how many players play their game, that kind of thing. Um, and then the other one is micro payments—you know, buying the mm-hmm. hats and the the shoes and the hair and the whatever—which um, yeah. again, I don't, I have never understood the need for that. Uh, Um, And now, I think the game manufacturers are being very good about not selling game-breaking tools through the micropayment structure, where Mm -hmm. if you pay cash for this, now you can beat every other player.
2: Mm,
0: Yeah.
1: Because I think that turns players off, and I think there were a couple games that tried that, and, and people left those in droves
0: yeah it's not pay to play it's it's pay to win so if you want to beat this boss the only way you're going to beat this boss is to have the one gun that costs you uh five dollars and 99 cents or something like that correct correct yeah mm-hmm. so do you see have, have you ha, let me just ask you being a playstation house i haven't had a playstation since the playstation one which obviously wasn't it wasn't online and was a very long time ago but as a playstation player do, do you see security concerns in any aspect of your gaming with that console
1: the social engineering aspect okay. i mean you know uh as much as i turned and I, I turned off the sound and muted the the audio and the chat they're still messaging and mm. you know on a weekly basis i will get you know spam messaging through the playstation hey click this link to get free gaming tokens or what you know all, all the really? simple stupid bo- yeah and okay I, I can't believe anyone's dumb enough to do it. But again, I'm an adult and I'm a jaded adult. So I don't know if those things actually work. I mean, I guess it's possible, you know. Well,
0: you should try it out one day and see if you actually get the 500 coins. (laughs) (laughs) And then report back.
2: This reminds me of uh, like when I was a kid and uh, the flash games online kind of started to become a thing. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of websites. I don't even remember the names where my brother and I used to play games.
1: Yeah, yeah. Newgrounds. Newgrounds was a good one.
2: Oh, I I don't even know, but um, I remember my brother was playing it one day. He just comes running into the room. He goes, Robin you won't believe this, but it turns out I'm really good at these games and I've won a bunch of iPhone or iPad. No, what was it? iPods, iPods. Oh no,
0: oh and no, You believed it.
2: I said, oh no. And I went in and he had been playing the advertisements that it's like, you know, oh. get a bullseye and you're going to win an iPod. Uh. And uh, oh. he had oh. like 20 windows open where he'd he won. And I was like, i <laughs>
1: But he, uh, he was very
2: young. He, he's a lot younger than I am. So. The
1: nice part about those scams, though, is they want your bank account information and your credit card. And the kids who are getting scammed ain't got that. So they're <laughs> wasting the scammers time more than anything else, which I think is wonderful. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I do keep my wallet up at night just in case my daughter gets a wild hair up her butt and decides to go <laughs> looking for my credit card information because someone online asked her about, you know, oh, all, all I need a credit card number. <laughs> So, yeah, so and, and you bring up Flash games, which is uh, thankfully no longer really a thing because Flash has long since um, been deprecated, no longer supported by Adobe. But but the reason that it's no longer around is because it had major, major security concerns. And Adobe finally said, we're done with Flash because there's so many security concerns. we got to get rid of it. Well, guess what? Then all of the Flash games go away, too. And there were some really, really good Flash games out there. <laughs> but, uh, oh, well, it's gone.
1: Yeah, we had uh, Andy Hartzell on the show a few episodes oh, yeah. back, mm-hmm. and and that's he kind of got started making those flash games, and and uh, I think with the limited technology that the that that constrained the developers to, they had to be more creative, yeah, and those games yeah. were more engaging than some of the really good looking high tech games that exist now that are just crap. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I always go back to the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. There were some fantastic games in the Atari 2600. How much RAM did that have? Like 8K? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but you could you could fit a whole lot of you know Space Invaders, Missile Command, Centipede into, into those games. And, and they were yeah, super duper fun. So yeah, and they were engaging. Oh, yeah. I'm the, the number of hours I played on Missile Command is insane. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so so other security concerns. I mean um, um, I mean, the, 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 biggest one, I think will always be social engineering. Anytime you get other people interacting with other people online, you can put up as many moderators and as many, uh, guardrails as, as, as you think you need. But as long as people can talk to each other, there's always going to be someone trying to scam someone. So I think that's always going to be the, the biggest one, but, uh, you know, what else do you have regarding gaming?
1: Um, I kind of want to talk about, and and I think you mentioned this in your wall of text, too, uh, uh, the DRM and DRM-free movement. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, For those of our listeners, uh, uh, digital rights management, uh, sometimes uh, often called information rights management or enterprise rights management, are the idea that you can put some internal controls, access controls, onto files or data that follow that, that file or that data wherever it goes. And it's the way that it used to be the encryption on the DVDs, that kind of thing. Or um, the way that they started with games, I always found kind of novel, and I I liked this and respected it. You would get a book when you bought a game because it came in a box, and it had actual stuff inside the box as (laughs) well as the disc. And that book was your DRM key because five minutes into the game, it would say, go to page 93, look at the bottom left corner, and uh type in the third word in the last sentence that was that was pretty that was a pretty cool low-tech way of ensuring that someone had bought a licensed copy right
0: yeah yeah and do do you remember um again getting nostalgic here and going back to the 80s and 90s but those those manuals were printed in a light blue ink so that was hard fly. to
1: photocopy them?
0: Yes. You could not yeah. photocopy them because that's what kids, they learned that really quickly also. It didn't matter how big the book was. All you had to do is go to the library, spend 30 cents, and you could photocopy the entire book, and then your friend could play it as well.
1: Not but, that we were ever thieves, right, Matt? We never, uh, uh,
0: no. No, never. I no. don't recall ever th- stealing no. anything. <laughs> anything, never. Now, I did um, legitimate backups of my <laughs> own software. <laughs> that i sometimes misplaced
1: (laughs) so the modern incarnation of drm is is much more cryptographically based um it you know it's you have to uh, type in the license key that kind of thing or it's integral into the thing and it calls back to home and registers itself um you have to have an online connection before you can play the game you can't play locally until you've registered online um uh, platforms such as gog and uh steam have promoted themselves as being DRM free meaning once you buy the license for the game from that distributor now you can install that game on any device you have as long as you are logged into your GOG or steam account I think it's a a little disingenuous to call that DRM free all it means is your account is now the DRM And that's just recognizing your license on the device.
0: I I do have a small bit of experience with GOG, which stands for good old games. Uh, So the old uh, 80s and 90s games that are still really, really good games. Um, And I was introduced to it because a friend of mine said, oh, you can still play um, X-Wing, which was the the old 1990s LucasArts game that was an actual X-Wing simulator. And it was amazing. And I had it on my 386. And... um, Uh, It it was great. I still have the discs for it. Don't have the DRM because I I long since lost the mail. I still have the discs, but um, GOG had it available for $5.99 or something like that. And it was DRM free. And in this case, it was actually DRM free. So I didn't make an account. I went and bought the game, downloaded the executable. And that executable is now portable. I, oh, I so now deliver. you can
1: copy. You can so, copy yeah. that so, so, zip file to anything you want. Yes.
0: So for that, and in, in, in my in, in my instance of one, <laughs> my experience, uh, it, it was truly DRM free. Now I know what you're talking about, though. There, that with like the Steam and, and the Bethesda .net and stuff like that. Yes, what you're talking about, that does actually use your um, account. But I don't think for GOG that it that that uh, it applies. I think that it is truly DRM free if you get it through them.
1: Oh, that's really cool. yeah and and, and I guess the business model is the people willing to pay six bucks for X wing or mule or command HQ or you know any of these old, old games. If you're willing to pay six bucks just for the convenience to get a copy, you're not making thousands of copies and sharing it elsewhere because there's no market for it other than us few nerds who are willing to pay six bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. In, in, in that case, the, the audience for that game – is so limited. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's not like it's 1992 again, and you've got millions of people clamoring to play X Wing. You've got probably you know a few thousand old guys <laughs> that are like, oh, I remember that, and then they play it <laughs> one time, and then they never play it again. Much less think about ever copying it. <laughs> <laughs> but the nostalgia factor is worth the six bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd pay that.
1: And I and I don't mean to make this totally advertorial for GOG, but um, they've actually started distributing new games as well it's become a great platform for independent uh developers um i've found plenty of free demos that you can play try as a trial period before you get the full game and they do keep their prices really low steam does have a lot of first release games that can be 50 60 Mm -hmm. still um but god keeps them under 20 bucks it's it's really kind of neat and a trip down memory lane too which is another reason I'm not running out to get a PS5. There's an entire back catalog of games <laughs> I wasn't able to play in the 90s and I can still go back and try them.
0: I still haven't beaten Final Fantasy 7 on my PlayStation 1. <laughs> so, yeah, I can <laughs> if I ever get get super bored, yeah, I can fire that back up. And I do still have CRT TVs as well. I have uh, four CRT TVs in my house that I can no hook up shit. old school. Yeah, the big bulky what my biggest CRT TV is 32 inches and it weighs 250 pounds and it has been moved twice and it will never be moved again. When, if we ever have to move out of this house, we are selling that in, in the house. It is not being moved. It conveys, right? (laughs) Right. The house comes with this TV. (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, there, the, uh, for for guys like us again, yeah, like you said, there's tons of old, old games out there that, that uh, yeah, you don't need the, the latest and greatest and, and, and in fact, my, my absolute most favorite game of probably all time that I've, according to Steam, I've played uh, like 400 and some hours is uh, Unreal Tournament 3, which came out in 2006, 2007. Orange box, right? Um. No, that was a different one. Oh, that was Team
1: Fortress. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, which was based on the original Unreal Engine. So, so yeah, this is Unreal Tournament three, which was was slightly newer, but much better graphics. Still plays great, and I I was just playing it this past weekend. Uh, it, it's it's become almost a casual game for me because I played it so much. But I can just fire it up, play a game for five minutes, and then log off and be done with it. But um, awesome. back to back to the DRM thing, though. Yeah, Steam does, uh, there, there is a side effect of, of the way Steam distributes games, which is that, uh, and, and Nintendo and PlayStation as well, which is that if you download the game, it will, number one, verify that your files, that your game files are correct. And I assume it does this through some, some kind of hash or something like that. So it's comparing the hash that's on the server and says, okay, if the hashes match, you have a valid copy of the game, um, but it also automates patching and updating. Which is great if you ask me from a security standpoint, because if they do discover any kind of a security flaw, it's automatically installed. It's not like the old days where you had to go, again, go to some Comic Sans website and download the patch. Um, It's automatically downloaded and installed at startup. It realizes you need this patch.
1: And and I love the little thing on Steam when when you bring the game up before you launch it. It says you played this game 643 hours. Would you recommend <laughs> yeah. this game to others? <laughs> no, oh, no, this thing just ate 643 hours of my life. I would not recommend it.
0: Oh, I no. recommend
1: crack cocaine before I recommend game.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's what, what's even sadder though, is when you go through your steam library and of course, everybody's got a steam library. that's like 50 games. And you go to those games that you downloaded, and you look at it, and it's like you played this game ten minutes. Gosh, I bought this game ten years ago, and that's all I ever played of it. Gosh, it... <laughs> thanks, Steam, for reminding me how much of a, a mistake I made with this seventy-dollar game. <laughs> I
1: watched the intro screen, and you know the uh, the opening cutscene, and and that was it. You know. <laughs> i'm really glad to hear that this is a ubiquitous experience
0: uh... oh my gosh yeah steam is and and this has nothing to do with security and i'm going off on a tangent here but steam offers the best bundles of of games where if you go and you say oh i want uh, just this weekend i was finding out about the new modern warfare call of duty modern warfare i've never played a call of duty game ever once in my life and i'm like okay i don't need the latest and greatest modern warfare 2 which is a 70 dollar game but maybe I would like to play an older version of modern warfare just to see if I like it because it's cheaper and I don't care about the glitzy graphics and stuff like that. Steam immediately comes up and says, Oh, we've got a bundle of (laughs) every version of modern warfare available for you for $800. If I wanted to pay, and it's not just modern warfare. It's like all, it was literally 80, 80 games, but it was a bundle. (laughs) And I, I, which I, is only 10 bucks a game, if you think right. about it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the funny part was I did not dismiss it out of hand. I actually went through that <laughs> list <laughs> and legitimately thought to myself, is there $800 worth of gaming here that I would actually play? Because, yeah, all of a sudden my library is going to have 80 more games in it, but I might actually play some of these. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. see, so good. I'm really glad you just brought this up because that was the topic I wanted to get into, but strictly as a bitch session and not as – and not as a security aspect modern warfare 2 and 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 i want to say this is like modern warfare 2 next or something like that because there was already a modern warfare 2 and and that was one of the few games that i would play with my uh local gamer group back in vegas because it had multiplayer split screen we'd go over to somebody's house we'd order a couple of pizzas get some beer and play for four hours yelling at each other and looking at one giant big screen TV probably a 250 pound CRT (laughs) and we could play against each other split screen and it was awesome yeah and it was it was very much a social uh event and it, it was it was a communal experience there are so few split screen games available today for local play yeah you know split screen you can do it online if and Robin and I have tried to do this if Robin's sitting in another room we can play battlefield bad company but what the hell's the point if we live in the same why should we have to sit in a different room if we want to play split screen right and and i think
0: the apex of the industry was goldeneye yeah i was about to say yeah everybody piled onto a couch got their nintendo 64 and yeah it was a party yeah
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and we would have, you know, uh, loser stays and then three other people would rotate in, you know, and, and there would be 12 of us in a room at a time. And it was it was a thing. Yeah. And, and even watching other people play and, you know, smack talking them. That was fun. That's yeah. all yeah. gone away with online gaming.
0: Yeah, because you when you had that couch co-op, that split screen, you knew all the people you were playing against or or at least someone there knew, knew the person that you were, you know, a friend of a friend or something like that um, yeah, when it's when it's online, everybody's so depersonalized. You, everybody's just a screen name and and, and a, an avatar on the screen. That it's easy to <laughs> be really, really terrible to each other. Whereas if someone can actually, re- if you're actually in arm's reach of someone, they can actually hit you <laughs> in the head. <laughs> so maybe that's a security aspect, <laughs> the physical security aspect. <laughs> at least you don't get hit in the head or or or, or have a beard chucked at you <laughs> when you screw up. <laughs> we're divorced from physical threats i guess okay it's the game
1: makers keeping us safe in that it's regard right, um, right. but but i've gone out and i've tried to find split screen titles and mm-hmm. uh i don't know if the new modern warfare incarnation even has that aspect um but we've we've downloaded and played about 10 20 of them on playstation they're mediocre compared right. to the other experiences simply cuz the developers aren't putting effort into them the way they did we did find that one There's a couple of them that are kind of addicting in a sort of 1980s arcade or flash game kind Mm. of motif. There's like this cooking game that's kind of like kitchen management and burger time. And uh, and it is true split screen where, you know, one of us on the top, one of us on the bottom of the screen, and we're playing on each other's screen. That was fun and addicting for a little while, but then it gets super frustrating and you stop, you know.
2: It's, It's not the same as GoldenEye. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. we we had an N64 and a copy of Goldeneye for a little while, and then I lost it. No divorce. And uh, oh, no. I, think, I think that we have tried to find an N64 and Goldeneye. And oddly, that has really held its value. <laughs> They're kind yeah. of expensive to obtain.
0: The, the, one of the interesting things about the pandemic is because um, I, I, I follow the retro gaming community quite a bit because I love old games. But, yeah, um, the, the the pandemic caused the retro gaming uh, physical media and the consoles to just skyrocket in value because everybody all of a sudden was in their homes and they had nothing to do, no nowhere to go. So people started playing old games again. And, yeah, uh, old Nintendo 64s, old PlayStation 1s, old Ataris. Hundreds of dollars and and the games, even a, a game that has been not new in box has been marked up and had stickers put on it. And some kid has got their snot all over it and stuff like that. Those games are still, yeah, every bit as expensive as they were the day that they were released. Yeah. <laughs> now, yep. I, completely aside to all that, again, being a Nintendo house, get yourself a Switch. They do have Goldeneye all, with all the original Nintendo 64, and you can get Nintendo 64 controllers for a Switch and play Goldeneye in the original uh, uh, graphics and all that stuff. No, uh, okay, Ben's mouth so, is is agape, but <laughs> so so not not
1: to be too much dad joke punning here. That's game changing. That <laughs> I, I, I was I was not aware of this, and we may have to become a a mixed PlayStation on uh, a Switch household. <laughs>
0: I'm uh, wow. I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Switch. Uh, not that I'm not a fan of Playstations or Xboxes, but um, yeah, they, there's a Nintendo um, online. Again, online, <laughs> and I think it's like a, 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 a it, it's some annual subscription, but it gives you access to all the old um, original Nintendo NES games, uh, Nintendo sixty four games, Super Nintendo games. And Golden Eyes in there, because uh, just this weekend I'd uh, and all the games are there. So like uh, you know all the old Tecmo Bowls, Ninja Gaiden, Mario Brothers, um, any uh, j- just about any title. And and on top of that it's got the old Sega Genesis games because now Sega is a part of Nintendo. So if you want to play Altered Beast or Golden Axe or something like that, all the original graphics, uh, and and you can either play it with a new Nintendo controller you know that comes with the Switch, or you can actually go get a controller that is the controller licensed by Nintendo. If you want to play with the original Nintendo 64 weird Y-shaped controller, you can do that. So, anyways, yeah, that's just a completely an aside. <laughs> Been so oh, happy wait, now. Oh,
1: okay, I, yeah, you've j- you kind of made my day. I think I know what I'm shopping for myself. <laughs> for. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to buy the $800 Modern Warfare bundle. For <laughs> and that's another thing about the subscription model and the digital model that I think, let's call it a financial security risk. Uh, uh, with the physical, tangible media, you always had the cartridge, you always had the disc. Uh, uh, um, it, PlayStation did just the opposite of what you're describing Nintendo has done. Instead of making their back catalog more available for nostalgia gaming, they, they took the entire Grand Theft Auto series, remastered it, whatever the fuck that means, <laughs> and said you have to rebuy this new level if you want to continue playing a game you already
2: had Mm -hmm. and it's apparently very buggy too
0: oh that
1: sucks so even though they did the remaster they screwed that up as well (laughs) oh it was it was such a blatant cash grab you know every five years i would spend another 10 bucks and buy another copy of vice city for some other platform i had i I would just do it because every now and then i felt like playing vice city again um and, and I'd go as far as to open the bridge to the second island, and then would be like, okay, this is dumb. And, and But, you know, for the first intro of the game, it's always fun. Um, I, I, I really don't like the fact that they're taking something that you already owned and making you pay for it again, not voluntarily, but saying this is the new step. This is the new version. It feels kind of like the same ripoff that our generation has had when we bought the LP, then we had to buy the cassette, then we had to buy the CD, and then we had to buy the MP3. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't tell you how many copies of Star Wars that I own because George Lucas kept re- remastering and re- re-releasing <laughs> Star Wars over and over again. But yeah, that's that. Yeah, they put a new sheen on it. They Oh, we've upscaled it for 4K graphics. Well, this game was originally designed for for 240, you know, I <laughs> on a 13 inch monitor. How, how much better can it possibly look on in 4K? Well, OK, I guess I'll pay 50 bucks to see. <laughs>
1: We've we've looked at some some movies, you know. I like watching a lot of 1970s movies and showing them to to Robin, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like uh, you, you go to Amazon Prime and it's UHD, but it was shot on you know uh, 70 millimeter or whatever. It's like right. what what am I seeing in high def? All the mistakes of, of <laughs> where the boom mic was still in the frame, or you know, I mean, you know. Yeah, uh,
0: I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just listening to another podcast just this morning. In fact, they were talking about this this very thing because these old films, you know, that shot on say thirty five millimeter, uh, and now upscaled to, to UHD or four K or something like that, and you can read. You know, they they would always have props, and the props would have you know, maybe they would have a script on it, or they would have something that like like say say the prop was a book, you could actually read what was in the book now. <laughs> and it wasn't always what the book was supposed to be. It was usually something like stupid or funny that the prop master put in there to mess with the actors. <laughs> and you can actually see the, you know, the stuff that's going on because the, uh, yeah, the, the resolution is so much higher now all of a sudden. So, yeah. Anyways.
1: That, that is hysterical. Um, there, there's two examples of that, that, that I am aware of one is in the movie Akira. Someone has gone through and done screen grabs of, um, some of the labels on some of the the fuse boxes and the equipment in in the rooms uh that are in the background where the characters are moving all of these cells were hand drawn you know this was not digital Mm. animation and the animators were cussing out their employers over and (laughs) over
0: again (laughs) you can read that now
1: (laughs) you can read it now And, and 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 i think that's awesome and then i'm sorry joey isn't here for this episode but what the public may not know is that in the corridors of the star trek spacecraft there's these panels and then there's these little stickers along the bottom of the base of the panel and what those stickers actually say when you can get close enough to read them are you don't spit into the wind you don't <laughs> you don't tug on superman's,
0: superman's cape, cape. <laughs>
1: You don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger, and you don't mess around with Jim. Uh, 186,000 miles per second. It's not just a good idea. It's the law. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and there's a bunch of them, and they're all uh-huh. on all those little stickers, and, oh, and they are hilarious. Um, and again, so. I, think, I think it's what you said. It's the, it's the prop master's finally having fun with the details that most people were never going to see. In right. UHD, you might be able to see this stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep.
1: On the Akutagram, uh, you'll see this in Star Trek. They'll have uh, the diagram of the spacecraft called the acutogram after the name of the graphic artist who built it, on inside the bridge of the spacecraft. And and you just see the outline of the ship and with all these, inside the, the shuttle bay of that spacecraft, you'll see a Red Baron biplane. Oh, <laughs> really close, tied up.
0: Yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: all right. Well, we've spent an hour basically doing nostalgia and binging. Uh,
0: <laughs> Is there any other security aspect that we should mention regarding gaming, other than don't blow all your cash on Robux and don't let your <laughs> don't let your 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 young ones get uh, socially engineered to to do the same.
1: I'm going to I'm going to drop in a current event that's only tangentially related to gaming, but it has to do with the online social engineering uh, influence and and interface there. Um, Federal court recently threw out a case filed by a couple of parents whose children killed themselves following a TikTok challenge. You're familiar with TikTok challenges, I imagine. Having uh, ch- yes,
0: unfortunately, yes, <laughs> I'm aware.
1: I was not aware of this until I read about this case. What's a, what's a TikTok challenge, and why does anyone do it?
0: Well, it's it's the latest thing of a viral meme, in in, in essence. And TikTok is a you know short video, so you you know the the TikTok challenge is, oh, the one recently a couple of years ago when my kids were in high school was. Uh, uh, vandalize your 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 high school's bathroom. Well, there is nothing good that can possibly come from from vandalizing <laughs> a high school bathroom. But the challenge was to videotape yourself doing something and then post it on TikTok, and then you know you get all these likes and stuff like that. And and that's not to say that there aren't aren't TikTok challenges that are that are. Fine, that are you know perfectly humorous or or or, or non vandalism or or non hurtful in any way, but some of them are. Uh, there was the Tide Pod Challenge for a while there, which is why Tide Pods, the the the, the clothes detergent, had to start putting extra safety features on Tide Pod uh, packaging and extra labeling to say these are not um, uh, to be edible. Yeah, because people <laughs> because kids were, were challenging each other to eat a tide pod. Well, guess what? That is a terrible idea on many many levels. Even though it's colorful and it looks kind of like candy, it doesn't taste anything like that, <laughs> and it, it will hurt you badly. So, anyways, yeah, tide, uh, um, uh, yeah, TikTok challenges, yes.
1: And, and, and what I'm trying to understand is, I would imagine what you're describing—you know, blow up your high school and take <laughs> photos of it. This would be the sort of thing in a dystopian future where the police force has nothing to do. They're trying to persuade people to not only commit the crime, but record the evidence. So the prosecution oh, right. is very easy. I, yeah. I'm just that I'm flabbergasted that any kids are that now I was dumb as a kid. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, 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 you know, gleefully destroyed my own, uh, schools, bathrooms, uh, uh, with voluntarily without any impetus or, or outside suggestion. Um. But uh, uh, these kids were following a challenge of uh, the blackout challenge. I was
0: about uh, to say, is this the holding your breath TikTok challenge, or, or or it was something along those lines where it was breath, you know, not being able to breathe or something like that. So Yeah,
1: yeah, it's yeah, self strangulation basically, and and the kids ended up hanging themselves, and 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 that's horrible. But you know, the parents had a novel claim, and their claim was. Uh, yes, TikTok is not responsible for the content creator who posed the challenge, but the parents were saying, because the algorithm told the 10-year-old kid, here are some videos you might like, and those blackout challenges were part of that listing, therefore, TikTok was responsible for promoting that content.
0: Mm.
1: And the federal court has said, what all courts have said in in setting precedents for this, an algorithm in and of itself, based on uh, other viewership and your demographic and your prior video, is not editorial content. It is not somebody promoting something specifically for you. Um, it's a it's a it's a shame. I'm yeah. really. I'm more disturbed at parents not being aware this content is out there and monitoring their children's uh, viewing behavior and, and their physical behavior. You know, it's one thing to see something that may be disturbing online. It's another to, you know, play monkey see, monkey do.
0: Yeah, um, and, and I don't know where, where I stand on any of that because, again, as a parent, uh, I can't watch my kids uh, 24-7. I can't watch what they do 24-7. I can I can try to instill in them, you know, good ethics and morality, but
2: yeah I was gonna say I mean there's in this day and age there is an unlimited amount of content out there and there is no way to monitor all of it um uh, I don't know how you address that other than just try to raise kids to make smart decisions and develop critical thinking skills um but that's hard uh, you know as a parent couldn't
1: couldn't you I mean on a weekly or you know a couple times a week basis, can't you just review their the URLs and their history and and that?
0: Yeah. Kind of thing? yeah but you.
1: If it just comes up as TikTok, you don't see exactly what they were looking. Well,
0: at. yeah, there's that, and plus, it's just such—it's so depressing to read my kids' histories of what they look like. Look, look at—you know—it's <laughs> so boring. Yeah, as a parent, yeah, I, I should be responsible, and I should have been more responsible as a parent. Thankfully, I've got uh, three kids off in college, happy and healthy, and they—they they didn't do anything, you know, that stupid. They did stupid stuff. But yeah, having gone through my kids, uh, uh, you know, browsing history and stuff like that, It is such a drag. It is awful to go through that stuff and see what, you know, uh, you know, even if it's not adult content, if it's not uh, bad in any way, it's just boring to to see what my kids and it's awful to see what my kids are actually interested in looking up. You know, how does a Venus flytrap work? God, really? This is the 15th time you've looked up Venus flytraps. Don't you understand how a Venus flytrap works yet? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when,
1: when I was a junior high teacher, uh, my kids, I would give, I would reward my classes who were doing well with, you know, 15 minutes of free browsing time at the end of class. And I'd have students come up to me, Mr. M, Mr. M, how do I get this MIDI onto my MySpace? <laughs> and I'd say, Tiffany, you don't, because you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Only user, losers use MIDI on their. their <laughs> yeah. Will use A use MIDI and B use MySpace. <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah. uh, uh, all right. To
2: uh, so close this out, what what is your favorite game of all time?
0: Oh gosh, I've got so many. It depends on my mood because I play so many. Uh, yeah, you know, am I, am I in the mood for a casual game or am I in the mood for uh, three hours, sit down on the couch, you know, drinking beer and eating eating pizza? Um, okay, I'll
2: rephrase it. If you could sit down and play any game at this moment, what would it be?
0: Oh, the, the, OK. <laughs> there, um, my, my, my latest craze is a game called Tetris 99, which is it sounds stupid. It's Tetris, but you play it against ninety nine. Don't you 100. know how
1: a Venus flytrap works already? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you play Tetris against ninety nine other people at the same time, and they're uh, yeah. and they're putting blocks into your levels, and they, and you're putting blocks into their levels, and it's awesome. And it's on the Nintendo Switch, and it's a free game. Uh, I paid ten dollars for the upgrade so I can get other levels and stuff like that. But uh, Tetris ninety nine is one of my big ones. I'm a big pinball player, so um, there's there's a uh, um, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of the company, but they 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 put out video pinball stuff. But the um, uh, Unreal Tournament uh, Unreal Tournament Three is is probably my all time time waster that that um, I've i ever done. But I'm still a huge fan of, of Mario, Sinistar, Joust, uh, Ms. Pac Man, all the all those old stuff. So it's where do you play I mean. Sinistar? Um, I, on my old PlayStation One. I have a midway looking
1: for I've been looking for Sinistar for years.
0: That's why I brought it up, because I know you like Sinistar, but um, there's a game called that came out in the 90s called uh, Midway Arcade Classics or something like that. And it's got like 12 games on it and it's got Robotron 2084 uh, Joust and it has it has Sinistar on there. And that's when I I, I actually got into Sinistar from the PlayStation one, not from the arcade cabinet. And now I love Sinistar. But, um, yeah, uh, you can you can play it on that um and there is uh, a company called Arcade One Up that releases three quarter size arcade machines you can put in your house um and they have one that they, they usually have like 12 games in a cabinet and uh, one of them is a, is a Mortal Kombat cabinet but it also has a copy of Sinistar in it so you can pick Sinistar from the from the menu well, Like cool
1: robin so, would not let me have this in my house in, uh, in her <laughs> house uh
0: joey has one in his house and it has Sinistar and Gorf um, uh, Mortal Kombat one, Mortal Kombat two, Mortal Kombat three. So yeah, yeah, the, 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 there are ways to play it. The even more rare one is Sinistar two, though. If you find a copy of Sinistar two anywhere, Sinistar two exists.
1: <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have oh. never found it. Um, but anyways, so yeah, uh, go, go ahead. What what are your all's games?
2: Um, oh, man, I the one that I go back to and enjoy replaying just as much as the first time. Fallout New Vegas, really? Uh, that game. It just uh, there's so many different little outcomes and goofy ways to subvert it. And I that is one of the few games that I have enjoyed actually playing and not just goofing off. Yeah, so that's uh, a good
0: pull copy. I have a copy on Steam of Fallout 76, which you mentioned earlier, Ben, and I'd never played any of the Fallout games before. And I've, it's one of those games that I, you know, when it comes up, it says, you've played this 15 minutes. I've never got, and it's a huge game. I know it's, it's supposedly really good. You know, I liked Fallout 76 when it first
1: came out. Um, It did something new. It was the first Fallout multiplayer. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really interesting because what they said is there are no human NPCs. The only other humans you're going to interact with will be actual players.
0: Okay, okay. So if there's an NPC, a, non, a non-playable character, it's not a it's human. A robot, yeah, it's, it's a robot, or it's Yeah, it's clearly not. Yeah, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and that was neat because it gave the idea of the desolation in the post-apocalyptic world, which gave the feel of the Fallout universe, which I'm a big fan of. I'm a huge post-apoc nerd. Then they just they kind of threw that to the wayside and they've made, they've made it into a cash grab and it's really not as fun anymore.
2: Well, it was so buggy when it first came out. Cause I loved the idea, but, um, a lot of people tried to play it, got frustrated by the bugs and then gave up. So there weren't enough mm-hmm. players in the online game. So they had to introduce other NPCs to launch quests and stuff like that. So it, it was a really neat idea. I think it would be worth them revisiting, but, uh, yeah. I'm
0: sure they'll release a remastered one here in about five years. It's 8 <laughs> upscaled for $75.
1: No, they've gone the route with every other world-building game where now they're concentrating on Here's your domicile, and build this up, and you know, it, and we'll sell you the signage of the classic you know, uh, Nuka-Cola. It, 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 <laughs> it, it's just become the same Fortnite crap that all the other <laughs> games are.
2: Ben drives me crazy because whenever he has to build a base, it's like the most nonsensical layout. I'm like, just let me get in there and organize. I will build you a fantastic base that will be usable. He'll be like out in a field it's like there's a workbench over here and then randomly scattered around. Look, his look, supplies. look,
1: Look, when they give you the points for building five walls, I just build five walls stacked up. Because <laughs> it's, it's the fastest way to get the point. It doesn't have to look pretty. They're not giving you points for aestheticism. It's just
0: <laughs> It doesn't have to contain or protect or shelter anything. It just exactly. has to be five walls. <laughs>
2: just build it five does, walls. Though, you have to build your tower with the shrine to Mothman. That's uh, the whole point, Ben. Oh, and then you go right. and you view other people's shrines to Mothman.
0: Because yeah, uh, that, that that was why I got 76, because it was set in West Virginia, which I have a long-standing love with because my wife is from West Virginia. And and they actually reference real places in West Virginia. It, it is.
1: And, and it's really well done. I've been to many of those places. And um, it's not to scale in terms of the, the distances, because that would suck. Um, but uh, a lot of the the impressions are the, they did travel and take photographs and do all the things um to actually design it well and it, it's cool that's mm-hmm. cool and it's a beautiful looking game it just yeah. i think in terms of gameplay and storyline is crap um
0: <laughs> but yeah, fallout, Moth go play fallout
1: yeah. new vegas go play new vegas
0: oh oh okay fine sure <laughs> <laughs> but yeah mothman is a uh, is a legend in, in west virginia as soon as you said that, that that's what it, it reminded me of is west virginia so, and they so- actually have
1: the john denver song in it
0: oh uh country roads yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, so did you say, Ben, what your favorite game is?
1: I'm uh, like you; it depends on my mood. Um, you know, there are certain games I keep coming back to over and over again: Civilization, Colonization, Alpha Centauri. Um, uh, I love the Battlefield series. Battlefield Bad Company Two for online shooter play. I've been playing Battlefield Five recently. Um, I liked the the Star Wars uh, shooter. What the hell was it called? The multiplayer Battlefront. Battle- Battlefront, Battlefront Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but again, it depends on my mood. Every now and then, I'll reload um, Fallout Three or Fallout New Vegas or what was the other one um, I replayed recently? It, it was another of the Fallout titles. I'll try to play Fallout 1 and 2 on PC every now and then, because the writing is vastly superior to anything that exists today. But you get frustrated with hex movement and turn-based content. I, I just can't tolerate it as much anymore in a story-driven game. it, it It's very hard to do. Um, and then every now and then, we'll play, you know, she'll kick my ass in Age Empires.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's I a also- good lemon right there. <laughs> I also want to give an honorable mention to the Portal series. Yes. As far as games go, that is one that actually changed the way that I think about things. I, I started mm-hmm. dreaming in Portal, and it was, <laughs> um, it was interesting. It created like a way to lucid dream that was very cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good series. Cool. Oh and portal two, I I have both of those. And I actually did play through all the way through on, on portal one and portal two, and I'm waiting on with bated breath, uh, this November, they're re-releasing portal one with RTX graphics. And I have a computer that has an RTX graphics card. It's like a thousand dollar video card for my computer. Um, and that, that RTX is the ray tracing and, and it's like su- super duper. So it's the exact same game. It's just got better, more, more spit and polish on it. with all Remastered. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a remastered version of Portal and it's a free add-on. So I already own Portal. So it's just a free add-on. So I'm not paying any extra for the, for the remastered version of it, but supposedly it's amazing uh the, the the visuals in the new and the RTX version of of Portal but yeah I love Portal and Portal 2 the uh uh oh gosh GLaDOS the uh the mm-hmm. the antagonist in Portal is so amazing it, you talk about good writing in, in in Fallout Portal has some of the best writing and some of the creepiest stuff and and unintentionally hilarious stuff that goes on in it the cake is a lie and a
1: Jonathan <laughs> Colton song two Jonathan Colton songs for Portal oh, that's one right. and Portal 2 yeah yep. yeah
0: Yep. Uh, in the, uh, cl- uh, was it the closing credits or something like that, that those yeah. the songs appear in?
2: hmm
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, the,
2: the storyline is so subtle and minimal, but totally mm-hmm. gripping. It's, yep. So it's, it's a good name.
1: Yeah, some moments were horrifying, with no jump scares, with no gore. It was just uh, uh, one of those existential dread kind of things. Yeah, I was about it's, to say dread. All based on the writing. It, yep. it very, very good. Very powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Good call. Good pull. <laughs>
0: all, right. all
2: right. That was um, a very tangential episode. But, um, <laughs> all all
1: things information. Okay. So <laughs> <aims> <laughs> information.
2: It's important information that people need to know.
1: Okay. Until next time, I'm Ben Malasso. I'm Matt
0: Snotty
2: and I'm Robin Keith
1: and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of Infosec. Just as a quick closing note, want to give a big shout out again to our last episode, Perscolis, um, I was able I was invited and able to give a graduation address to one of their recent cohorts. Congratulations everyone. Congratulations to all Perscolus learners and graduates. Thank you very much for everything you do.
0: Hey there listener, Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com/securitized interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com, and that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel Wannabea CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the infosec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster. Downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com. And listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific infosex situation you may experience. If you enjoy this podcast, take a listen to the topic of choice with host Joey Police, his sidekick Matt, that's me, and lots of interesting guests. Now on its third season, Joey leads open conversations, reviews, and interviews about all kinds of interesting and exciting topics, often with a pop culture take. It's a fun show released weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.